Welcome Pathfinders to another exciting after party. After party number 18, the one where we ended on a cliffhanger and Sudi's about to die. Oh. Uh, technically all of us are about to die. Uh, but you Sudi you are by possibly. yourself You're in the middle of the You're way closer room. to the death than the Sudi rest of us. Sudi possibly first. Uh, so this covers episodes 52, 53, and 54. Our one year anniversary episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, that's actually because we released with three episodes on our first day. So this is actually us catching up. We've been doing this a year, guys. We have a been doing this a year wow. of content. Oh. Uh, anyway, so... Everybody remember what happened? 52? I do. Yep. Uh, so the person with the timeline, of course, remembers. <laughs> Says Heather. <laughs> so yeah, 52 was the post-ghoul fight after you guys had finished your battle against Berg, which was one of the rougher encounters that y'all had had oh. in recent memory. Or guest. Guess. He was a guest. He was a guest. Uh, so following that fight, all of you had settled down. You had a quick bantering conversation. You had learned that the Fated had possibly seen the Barefoot Man mm -hmm. going into a place, one of my favorite named places of any Paizo product ever made, the Pyramid of Arithmetic Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> For the math lovers out there. You had then, at the end of that episode, discovered that Sagira had been leaving love notes for Sudi unbeknownst to her this entire time. Citra is amused. I'm pretty <laughs> amused too. Onuris uh, is not amused. Anybody see that coming? I totally didn't see that coming. I'm curious if anyone saw that. No, I, I didn't I see it coming. Absolutely not. Uh, left field. Yeah. <laughs> Which, which means it was a good twist because none of us but, saw it coming. So I was, you know, I was listening back through some of the episodes and. I think that Sudi probably could have figured it out at some point because you do mention that, you know, in order for the first note to have been left, he would have had to get through the front gates, get over the ladder, mm -hmm. get through everything. So it had to have been somebody in the temple. Would have had to get through Sagira, who's holding oh, on to Sagira's exactly. temple. <laughs> this is what, why I get hurt by not listening to the episodes again, because I, I would have I think probably it, made that connection. I think it feels kind of more natural when you don't. It was following the fight against the Soteria Eye Taker mm. that you'd received your love note that I actually mentioned that that love note had dried flakes of blood left over on it because I distinctly remember Sagira not mentioning she just mentioned I go upstairs I drop off my girlfriend and then I pass out so I'm like she's still just covered in blood yep. uh, <laughs> so she woke up covered in blood wrote a note with dried flakes of blood all over it and then slid it under Sudi's door I remember thinking uh, I, second I also as a fun side note because I know I had some comments from people about how amazingly Sudi rolled his perception on that and even with the minus 10 i just kind of leaned <laughs> over to the side glanced over towards jessica's character sheet which is in my line of sight and bounced a little die for her stealth check which unfortunately for sudi i think uh Segura's stealth roll eclipses sudi's perception check Anuris <laughs> <laughs> would like to know what stealth is <laughs> Uh, see, we are the 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 puppeteers talking right now. <laughs> puppeteers. No, right. just on yours has no stealth score, so it's oh, like yeah, we know. Oh, yeah, we he know. does. Well, except for wasn't there like one time that on yours was stealthy and everyone else was not? Yeah, because I rolled like a perfect twenty, and he was like, "I got this this one but time." Most of the time, he's tromping around, and then we just all give up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. I, uh, I also like how that ended with uh, Sudi uh, getting cold cocked by Sakura. <laughs> yeah. That was a bit one of the better endings to the episodes. We're like, oh, we know how this is going to end, but also well, very funny. At least you're not my favorite you enemy. To romance her, um, you didn't listen. It's one of those things where, like, Sudi again being a 17 year old Hulk, who is who's. <laughs> 
I would say not the most intelligent. He's average intelligence, which I tend to play a little bit kind of on the on the dumb side. He's, he's just looking at her and he doesn't see like the possessed ghost or whatever. He sees his friend Sagira, who he has like really no romantic feelings for. So he's just kind of like, I don't know how to do this <laughs> at all with you. Yeah. So, also, he's kind of awkward even when he's trying to be romantic. So, you know, it's just awkward. Yeah. So that, that did run into episode 53, which started with, well, episode 52 ended with Sudi getting punched in the face. And then episode 53 was the repercussions of said punch in the face. Yeah, which we managed to talk the ghost down. I was really surprised we managed. Like, I, I was fully ready to just beat Sagira unconscious. Well, I'll, I'll give you a behind the... <laughs> okay. I, I would be really interested to see that fight. That yeah. being said... <laughs> No, actually, I honestly think it'd be a pretty good toss-up. You're both full base attack characters. Yeah, exactly, you both yeah. have a lot of hit points. My AC's better. Yeah. I'm not one of your favorite enemies. That's yeah. true. So take that. That's true, but my cat was on defend mode. Yeah, that would have been a problem. <laughs> so it'd be the battle of the bad dice luck. It would, yeah. be. It would be. Mine's more chaotic. It's not straight bad. <laughs> Maybe Jordan would have remembered his uh, bad luck ability. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the battle of the bad dice, that would be... He only uses his unlucky ability against allies. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, interesting behind the screens thing on how I decided to handle that. There are a lot of different ways to treat possession. In this case, I decided to treat it a little bit like confusion in that Sagira lashed out at the first person that threatened her. And there's an interesting caveat to confusion that is often overlooked. It's, I would probably put it in one of the top five overlooked rules pertaining towards spells. And it's that if someone attacks you, you don't roll on the confusion chart. You automatically get to continue to attack that individual. You do, oh, it's just like you rolled attack nearest. Yes. And I'll, so, I will admit I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's one of those often. It's it's way up there along with the uh, if you miss by five or less, you pop a mirror image. Oh, Everyone yeah, yeah. always forgets that one too. Yeah. Or the fact that Featherfall affects multiple people. There are a lot of uh, them. The Featherfall affecting multiple people is definitely one I've forgotten numerous <laughs> times. So I was kind of waiting for any of you to do an offensive action because then it would have immediately continued the fight. But no, all of you were very, it's, it's kind of like you actually care about Aww. injuring Sagira. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do non-lethal damage. It's all right. <laughs> well, Citra is my favorite enemy. I was kind of hoping that Onuris would try to put her in a chokehold. Oh my god. <laughs> like, Onuris has the base attack to pull that off. Well, Onuris is a pretty good play, escape artist, too. Now played by Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm not entirely positive Sagira would try to escape and not just full out attack while in grapple. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You can two up and fight with your fists. Be brawling. That's fair. Bam, bam. It's a one two punch. Two, two. <laughs> but at least not my favorite enemy. Yeah. Nope, just me, but just I you. talked you down. And the undead. We were really in sync that day. Yeah, we were. That had been a day where we were like, you gamble, we both gamble. You see a thing, I see a thing. Like, we were very in sync that day. Yeah. So what you... people don't realize is that Jessica and I are usually in sync most days. <laughs> we like to practice our boy band dancing. <laughs> So following that, you guys had made your way back out in the city. You'd actually been able to rest. The sun rose, and you now know that you only have three days remaining until you guess the city decides to take the nuclear option and unleash psychopomps in yeah. the entirety did, of did the... Did we uh, find another elegant... We broke found... The, the first one was totally broken. Because it was fall through, the, it fell through the ground. The second one was busted up. Because of the faded. And then I think we found a third one. But it also was, the, it was also busted up. At the end of up. that episode, yes. Yeah, Which and that too. Oh, I found a board game. So, a magical board game. Oh, yeah. yeah you did find Speaking that. of, we also have another thing. We have that divinatory tea. Yeah, I've had that. I do have a lot of tea. Because we can be <laughs> like, hey, where's our masky mask? We should totally have some tea tonight. Yeah. <laughs> 
If uh, Onyurus prepares the proper spell, he can actually use the T to augment it to a higher level spell. What spell? Uh, I think if you prepare Augury, it turns into Divination. I'd have to check. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd I can turn cool. any one of my second, my second or is it a second level spell into Augury? That's one of on her it's nifty things. Oh, that's oh. Cool. oh, there we go. Fancy. So yeah, you could divine some. The spells stuff. that I can turn into aren't like the most helpful, so that's why I haven't done it yet. Like but the Augury. higher level ones are better. Well, I think Augury sounds pretty helpful. Considering well, Augury's only yes or no questions. But with the T, it becomes another thing. No, Augury isn't even yes or no questions. Augury's just a, you get a feeling of what you want to do is good or bad. Will or woe. Yeah. yeah. But so, I think divination gives you actual like questions. Divination, right? I think, is the yes or no questions. Or short phrases, if it. Yeah. yeah if it's yeah, if it would be yes, confusing. no, or maybe it would be confusing. Cool. Like a spirit board. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then you would detonate a trap. Which had uh, uh, that was the end of the episode. Yeah, that was the end of the episode. It wasn't a whole lot of damage to the group, to be perfectly. It was a. It wasn't a bad trap. It was funny because uh, Citra's like, "Oh yeah, you should have waited on me." Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was one that we couldn't even like blame on Citra because you nope. weren't even there. Like, nope. not even she was looking at paintings, of course. Maybe let the rope. We thought it was okay because the because ro- wasn't it sort of open a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, why, that's we why, thought, why we thought it was okay. Yeah, but yeah, we picked up the fancy magic board game. So another another fun rule out there is the fact that if you do a disable device check for a trap and you exceed the DC, you can bypass and leave the track trap active. Which I don't know yep. why you would do that. Because you're an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy that did well, that. It, it's like if you're being pursued, like let's say we're being pursued by somebody and we're like, oh, we discovered this trap, but we want to make them fall in mm-hmm. the pit. Like you could just bypass it. But... That guy got killed by mummies, so yeah, sucks to be Actually, him. Actually, we don't know what happened to him. I thought we followed him to the no, other place. No, they ran and... away because of the thing. The little cat mummy was the in there. Ubash, the grave Ubash robbers. Yeah. But, oh, no, but then that... I thought we followed him to here. No, we, were going, we weren't going. We following any tracks, yeah, I don't think. There were tracks, though. We there found were tracks, tracks down there, there, but you weren't able to follow we, we, them. Yeah, no, they were just some random grave robbers that were down here and opened the sarcophagus and saw the scary cat and ran away. Maybe hmm. they were random grave robbers. Yeah, they didn't feel random. I don't know. For some reason, it, it they felt It feels connected. a little too purposeful, just me metagaming a little bit. I don't think of anything like being coincidental anymore. I don't know. I think y'all are reading way too into it. I just thought it was connected, but There's... I guess we found footprints in front of that other building, too. Yeah, we, yeah, we found separate. the barefoot guy's footprints outside of that building leading inside, but we didn't follow those footprints. We were which, just headed that direction. Which brings us to 54, which was all of you reaching the temple of, or the pyramid of arithmetic bliss the one where sagira wanted to befriend a jackal and it just didn't work out yeah the jackal <laughs> oh, just yeah said nope. that was a sad that was a sad moment that's like the saddest moment of the entire adventure that's pack. it yep. <laughs> the saddest moment <laughs> botch that role um i actually really liked this episode because i always find it interesting to to see like, i'm really interested in architecture as like just a personal thing so you know seeing like the builders and like how much pride they take and like what they're building and stuff in the Sosirian setting is really interesting and we got to see what Onuris had built when he was alive also, the first yeah, time also that was kind of cool too like when this was know. my city and my kingdom yeah, yeah. Well, which, is, which is weird like, yeah but it was like cool to be like what'd you commission a thing for Horus okay <laughs> alright I mean I guess it's okay then we go inside and we found somebody staying there, right? Like, if I remember this yeah, right. We found a camp. Like, yeah, camp. Like a yeah. Found, found signs of multiple people like had chains? been staying there for some time. 
And then the barefoot guy had been reading something on the walls, which was probably like blueprints or whatever, right? It was a That's list of thought. places that had been commissioned by somebody. You'd he also found numerous found. documents, but no blueprints left inside of the building. Yeah. 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 So that, those are taken. And then we got, then there were signs of the cultists being killed. Mm-hmm. You found an exploded. And uh, then mummies body. are going to eat Sudi. <laughs> but they did yeah. kill the guy that we, I thought we had been tracking some footprints through and they had, it deadened yes. into his dead body. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah, you'd found signs that there was a cultist there once you arrived, and then you found the cultist's exploded well, form. That guy did. Yeah. <laughs> and then mummies. And Two then you had mummies. a long conversation with Sudi shouting from 50 feet away, <laughs> and then mummies. Yeah. Um, again, Sudi's always kind of defaults to watching everybody's back because he's last in the, like, the line of our marching order and stuff, so... It kind of made sense. Also, he's you know he's got a forty foot movement speed, so he can move back really quickly. But then, when it's really funny when Rick's like, "Roll a will save," and I'm like, "Okay, roll a second will save." Uh oh. <laughs> I just had that moment where I'm but like, yeah, "Oh yes. no, this is not going to end well." There's there two were of something. Two, Never three. Ends well. There are three. There are two. No. Don't oh. scare Jessica. <laughs> oh, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus. Oh, Cyrus. Goodness. Two is an Osiris moment. Let's oh, be frank. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Three is yeah. probably more of a set. Oh, set. Amon Ra. Oh, set. It's just like Satan. You owe me. Like that's. What that is. I, I, I like that. We're that's going to become our new like frack. Oh, Cyrus. Oh, set. I just need that on a shirt, Jessica. I need you to make it okay. so I can wear it and be okay. happy. So, yeah. And he's like, why are y'all saying my name? <laughs> it sounds well, it sounds good in our mouths. Do, do we have the emails? We do, in fact, yeah. have three emails this week. Making up a little bit for not answering any uh, questions last week. Yeah. Uh, well, we've so answered good. questions, but not answering any emails. Yeah. Uh, okay, so our first one reads... Hello, Pathfinders. I am Dale from Sarasota. Sarasota. Yeah, Sarasota, man. Florida. Oh, yeah. Didn't Ah, know that. Okay, so where does all the weird stuff that, like, instead of Florida man, what man do we have? Uh, Or the the Soddenlands. Soddenlands. (laughs) Yes, okay. But what's a city there? In the Soddenlands. What is the name of is, the... Are there cities in the Soddenlands? Or is it just like wet? There once were. I don't know. Yeah, there's not really a <laughs> capital in the Soddenlands because it's mostly just independent cities. The only thing that I've ever done anything there is there's a city the, of uh, Greenblood, which I think I used one time when I was running through uh, Skull and Shackles. All right, Greenblood it is. I think Green. they have a really cool fighting pit. Yeah, cool. So Greenblood in the Soddenlands. Yeah. Dale from Greenblood. Dale from Greenblood in the Sodden Lands write, continues to write, I have been listening to your podcast since last summer. You have inspired me to run Mummy's Mask on Roll20 with several remote friends. Good awesome. for you. Nice. Several times you've mentioned several ancient Egyptian books you liked, as well as several Pathfinder references. Could you give us some more details about the ones you particularly like? Yeah. I just watched <laughs> The Mummy a lot as a kid. Uh, I did the same. Egyptology I... book that's got... It's, I think it's just called Egyptology. I think so. Honestly, uh, what I was actually researching, I had a book called Red Sand, Black Sand. I think that was like told from the point of view of somebody like actually going, traveling through Egypt. That one was pretty cool. And then uh, honestly, just Google Egypt history for kids. Because I, I know that sounds not dumb, but it like it, it sets everything up so straightforward that it is really helpful. <laughs> I also really like Tutankhamen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, switching it to Pathfinder references, um, I will plug my favorite uh, two modules that aren't in Adventure Paths, Entombed with the Pharaohs, which, you know, no spoilers, but it deals with, it's Osirian and it deals with the four it Pharaohs of Ascension. Pharaohs. You don't say it, Entombed. <laughs> yeah. With the pharaohs. Yeah, but uh, with the four pharaohs of Ascension, which got me really interested in like the Osirian specific part of the history. Mm. And so there was a sequel to that uh, called the Pactone Pyramids, which I think single-handedly is one of my favorite adventure yeah. paths ever. That's a really good um, You mean modules? Really soft, modules. Or module, yeah. So, um, so it was really good for letting us just kind of like have a little bit of a sandbox. And then, of course, I read over the Os- Osiriani player companion book. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a great place to always start is the, uh, the Inner Sea World Guide is a great place to start because it'll give you about four pages on each section of the world. So that gives you kind of a taste for Osirian. There's the Osirian Legacy of the Pharaohs, which covers the entirety of the setting. People of the Sands, which covers mm. the Osirian people, the people of Katapesh, the people of uh, Rahadum. Oh, and a shout out to another podcast out there. I do listen to the History of Egypt podcast, hmm. which is a little dry, but to be fair, the narrator and the writer for it is an actual Egyptologist. So... He does a very good job of explaining it in fairly simple terms. Also, this is for Rick. Did you read all six AP books before starting? <laughs> We're about halfway through the Half Dead City, but I'm reviewing books two and three and finding bits of your early podcasts. Your preparation <laughs> is inspiring. Thanks for the great podcast. Can I answer this one? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, pretty much the moment Rick gets a book, his face is just in it. He will read through everything. It doesn't matter what book came in the mail. He's going to read through it all. Um, as far as his prep goes, I know for a fact that he's very, like, he breaks things up. But yes, he has read all of them. Always a fun suggestion <laughs> for everyone will be, this is something I don't think I've actually covered all that too much, is when you have your players, when your players give you a backstory or they give you an idea of where their characters come from, I like to look in books like three and four and five to find elements in those books that I can tie in with the character's backstory because that gives them something to go for in the long haul. Like book one, you can rely on, everyone's probably going to grab onto the initial hook. Can I add something here? Sure. So when I was writing on Yuris's backstory, I needed someone to be his mentor for, you know, following Horus, who is a old god who's not common anymore. And I said, Rick, I need a mentor. And he goes, well, can you keep a secret for a couple books? And I said, okay, sure. He's like, here's this Sphinx. And I was like, <laughs> you know. There's also some adventure paths that if you don't read ahead, I feel like you you may miss stuff. Like it won't really make a whole lot of sense um, by not reading ahead uh, more than a book ahead. And big suggestion is if you're running any of the earlier adventure paths, I love all of the adventure paths and some of the earliest ones are some of my favorites, but they don't always foreshadow everything quite as, or explain everything quite as well earlier on. Sometimes because I think the writers for book six are writing at the same time as the writers for book one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so sometimes things don't translate over. So if you're doing any of the earlier adventures, I highly suggest if you're doing the later adventures, they include the synopsis of the entire plot in the back of the first adventure path mm-hmm. book. So definitely a good place to check. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, Dell. Yeah. Our next email is from Graf from the Bronx. The Bronx. The Bronx. Nice. That feels kind of an Absalom. He was my favorite character in Gargoyles. <laughs> Bronx. <laughs> yes, okay. he was the terrorist. Right, there's a lot of Gargoyles. <laughs> oh, God. Uslav. Uslav? Another person in Or Chiliax. Chiliax probably has Chiliax a lot of creepy probably Gargoyles. probably does have a lot. Although the, I feel like the Bronx has to be an Andoran somewhere. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Is there a border city kind of situation? <laughs> 
uh, with Izgir, I believe that there's a... That might work. Izgir. We could just have him be from Almas. I mean, it's the capital. Almas. All right. Graf from Almas. And Andoran. Writes, I'll try to keep the enthusiastic gushing to a minimum for Rick's sake. Thank you. Ugh. <laughs> I'm not caught up yet, episode 45-ish, but I really wanted to write you. You're the only actual play podcast I actually follow, though I've tried a lot. Like other people, I'm attracted to clear group cohesion and respect for each other, as well as the general maturity. I don't think most groups have characters that go on dates. Don't laugh at maturity, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Or focus on their relationships with their families. Examples deleted for space. <laughs> Apparently, he actually had a bunch of examples. I also appreciate trying not to curse. I have children, and my oldest sometimes listen with, listens with me, and it makes a big difference to me as a father. I'm a bit of a hypocrite since this is a hard rule to follow, but I thank you for your effort. My oldest listens because he's actually played the first part of Mummy's Mask. Awesome. I got, I got to run it on the fly for him and other family members during a get-together right after I listened to the first few episodes. The family that plays together stays together. Guys. That's true. <laughs> Life lessons. Uh, I would never have had the confidence to do that without the podcast. I have like In my humble opinion, podcasts are an incredible tool for busy people to prepare to run. Very cool. Mm. I have a lot I'd like to ask, but I think this note is already long, so... For Rick, you do an incredible job of scene setting. I remember one return to the city where you talked about the activity in the city, the time of day, the neighborhoods. It wasn't your opening move in the session either. If I recall correctly, it came out of nowhere amid session. Do you consciously prepare for those scenes? Do you have techniques you can share with DMs who want to improve in this area? The very short version of this, I don't, I don't pre-write descriptions for anything. A good trick I can advise is to get a, to capture a mental image of what you want the scene to be like. So I kind of imagine it as a picture and then I feel like I'm just relating that picture to everyone. Or sometimes just describing one of my favorite scenes from a movie or something I was playing in a video game or I can just have a picture pulled up on the laptop of a deserted Egyptian street. Well, it helps that you've been doing this for a long, long time too. It definitely, experience is a large part of it that you just get used to it i mean i also feel like uh <laughs> reading is kind of an essential part of it yeah. too like if you read a lot of like there's a lot of great authors out there who do very good descriptions of things i get comments sometimes about my descriptions in combat and all i'm really trying to do is measure up to something near ari salvatore uh yeah oh, he's gosh. <laughs> guys the golden standard I'm not saying I ever succeed, but I'm yeah. trying no, to measure but, up. <laughs> yeah, if you if you ask me who some of the best fight scenes you've ever read, I'm going to tell yeah. you Arya Salvatore. Yeah. That, read man, the that man is books. a poet about shimitars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and finds a way in like, I don't know, a hundred books to still make it interesting. Yeah. Like all the fights are still super interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, Graf continues to write, For the gang, you've mentioned looking for the hook that turns the first act of the adventure path into the quest to save the world. How do you feel about playing adventure paths that always turn into world-saving adventures? Would you have been interested in playing a hypothetical version of Mummy's Mask that featured 10 or 15 levels of the doorkeepers working with or against different adventuring groups as they clear harder tombs, delve deeper into the past, and become notable important figures in the city or country? Basically an extension of the themes of the first adventure. I think eventually that would have gotten old. I think it would depend on how it was related. Yeah. Because if, if there's a side plot that every time you came back to the living city like something was going on or... yeah you're getting more in-depth connections and maybe there was an intrigue in the background between uh Shepis and septi i mean because playing a game in an entire in a city and barely leaving that city at all or not leaving that city at all has been done you know i've played through those like 
Council of Thieves. I think I could safely state for this group that I don't think all of you would be a big fan of something like... Uh, there was a great book put out about the... I think it was just called The World's Largest Dungeon. Uh-uh. Uh, not even... I know. Yeah, no. Yeah. Not doing it. Not doing it. Oh it was just a super it. thick dungeon book. There was nothing but a dungeon. If you can give me a dungeon crawl that has a good story, then maybe I'm in. I think... We played through Legacy of Fire, and one of the books had that. Where it was yeah, a dungeon that dungeon crawl, was cool, but it didn't feel. It wasn't a, like dungeon, a dungeon traditional. Well, dungeon. Greg Vaughn is is phenomenal about making dungeons a dungeon setting. What did he write? Super. That one? Yeah, he wrote book five of. Yeah, oh, that was cool. Book I five of Legacy and wrote book five of Curse of the Crimson Throne. I think maybe because we weren't at our deathbed in every two seconds that maybe I didn't realize it was Greg <laughs> Just doesn't feel like Dungeon yeah. crawls are really hit or miss for me. You get this weird, like, oh, I'm really excited, but oh God, it's Greg Vaughn. Anytime you enter the Vaughn but book you know of an what? adventure path. When you survive a Greg Vaughn book, <laughs> you feel accomplished. That's true. Yeah. Although you also look at the, what level is this book? What level are we doing? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> the higher yeah. the level, the scarier it is. <laughs> so... <laughs> Didn't you call him an a-hole? At I, 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 I went right up to Greg Vaughn. And we were actually playing Curse of the Crimson Throne. And I, I told him he was an a-hole. And he uh, he was like, thanks. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a good reaction from him. Yeah, um, you know he's probably been called far so. worse. And I think kind of going back to the question of like, is it fine that it always turns into this world-saving thing? I think kind of going with the whole mythos behind Galarian, it's like, well... When Arden died, everything got messed up. Yes. So we need to have all these life-saving things. It kind of makes me feel like Buffy a little bit. And some of them aren't even world-shattering. Some of them are just, yeah. well, this city might be screwed for a little while. There's a few of them that if you lose, really bad things happen. Yeah, that horrible things happen. I mean, I would totally play a game that was a smaller scale story, but it has to have the story. Not six, yeah. but not six yeah. books. Worth. I wouldn't want it to be like... Do a dungeon, come back to a city and have a tiny bit of story. Do a dungeon, come back and do like I can't imagine that being six books. Yeah, I I think fanboying and girling over Greg Vaughn aside, I think I guess the general <laughs> consensus is everyone likes the world saving. Yeah. yeah it makes me feel like Buffy. It, it doesn't have to be epic either. Like the thing for me is like, it like could be town saving. Like mm-hmm. even like yeah, even like town saving is like pretty good, but like, you know, I'm I'm as a personal player, I'd be fine with like even small scale, like we're helping take down this gang over here. Like that's still like you, there's a chance for you to do something like heroic without doing like huge stuff. You know what? I could have played six books on an island just surviving. No, if it was no. just Gilligan's Island. I was, there would have been stuff. There had to be more stuff there. That, if that I rolled was into ready. like a maker thing where you're building your own society. Yeah, but society. The other island. I was <laughs> ready to get off that island. Oh, really? I couldn't That's have so, done that. I guess mm-hmm. You're supposed to want to get off the I was island. playing a druid. I was really happy. <laughs> like, animals, friend. Plants, one, sweet. One last thing I will actually mention on that is I think that's a large part of the reason why, and they were, they tested this out with Starfinder, where they switched to three book adventure paths for a little bit because mm-hmm. there were some stories that they said it doesn't take six books to tell this story, but it's still a story worth telling. Yes, yeah. that's yes. a great plan. And so I think that that's a good example. All right. Okay. Uh, anyway, so Graf signs off. Thanks so much. You're yep. welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I did send Graf an email and he did reply back. And so shout out to his son who did want to, unfortunately, he does not want to be from Andorin. He oh. wants to be from someplace a little bit more fancy. And after discussion, he would like to be from Numeria. Nice. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. He is into high tech stuff right now. Yeah, boy. He would have also accepted somewhere steampunk, which he says, I don't think that there's waste. any Mana steampunk waste. in Galarian. Nope. There uh, is the Mana, Mana Waste. waste. Mana waste, which is so much fun. Magic is all kooky That's up there. That's a great place. Wild magic Airships and trains. It's great. Every, every uh, time I think about writing my own, like my own adventure, I want to set it in the Mana Waste. Always. Cool place. He follows with saying, if we're going to be trapped in that post-apocalyptic wasteland, my preference would be uh, Castle Orion. Thanks for asking. <laughs> nice. So, cool. Yeah. Very nice. All right. Our third and final email of the episode is, hello, doorkeepers and Rick. My name is Mike, and I'm from New Jersey, but you can just say Gallaspire all of you feel later. We don't take emails from the tyrant. <laughs> he could be whispering. He's away. whispering to us. This is a whisper, not an email. You need you the stage oh, whisper oh. for this entire thing. I know. Now I, now I definitely have to do it as a stage whisper. Stage whisper. whisper. I love the show, and I know a, I know Rick doesn't do compliments, so I'll say the group. In general, <laughs> you're being creepy. This, stop it. This, this it's actually is, just continue. This continued. is more like you're trying to seduce them, not whisper. Fine. This is not working. No, no, that's I'm fine. <laughs> I'm Batman now. Don't really? be Batman. The whispering I love the tyrant. show, and I know Rick doesn't do compliments, so I'll say the just group regular in voice. Right, yeah, fine. just regular. <laughs> you guys are no fun. I, I liked it. I was um, Sorry, future Rick. I love the show, and I know Rick doesn't do compliments, so I'll say the group in general is amazing, and the guy who tells the story is great, too. But to my question, I'm GMing a group through the Tyrant's Grasp Adventure Path, and it'll be my first published AP I've ever ran. I've been GMing for 15 years, and I've been a homebrew GM other than reading the books, which uh, I am now doing. Does Rick or the other members of the cast have any tips for an old GM to learn about running a Paizo published adventure path. Thanks again for the great show and keep it up. We here at the Gallaspire are listening. <laughs> of course you are. That's, that's not that. remotely threatening. I hey, know. we're from Texas. It's definitely an Usala. <laughs> oh, uh, it makes it worse because our carry and crown characters are in a bad place right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're you know what? Good choice on first AP. I'm very jelly. Yes. Yeah. Um, I am dying haha, to play that adventure path. Me too. My my number one suggestion for anyone that's transitioning from homebrew to doing modules is don't ever feel restricted by the module. Mm-hmm. It is not a rule. It's not set in stone. If you want to do anything crazy with your own homebrewing stuff for it, just, just do it. Embrace. Think of it as a framework and then work inside that to make it your own story. Yep. Let's see. Kind of the, well, we already mentioned the, uh, you know, look in the back of the first book to get kind of an overview of yeah. the whole plot and all of that. Yeah, the main thing is like they they give, they do give you like the framework. You know, you have the flexibility kind of. They give you scenes in a play, and it's kind of your job to make those all kind of join together into your story. So feel free to like say, hey, you know what? I want to take a quick break here to do some character development or to introduce you know something that I think would be a good addition. Um, so I know that we've even had it where like Rick's gone into various campaign settings books and found like some cool trivia and like lore for us because we're all kind of real big fans of lore. So if your characters are really into, or your players are really into that, feel free, of course, to add some extra... Morsels? Yeah, extra morsels. Tidbits. Yeah, some extra tidbits, <laughs> yeah, um, to really kind of bring it to that next level. Yeah. Mike. Mike. Mike from Gallowspire. Yeah. Mike from Gallowspire. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Good luck. And uh, yes, we are all very jealous <laughs> no, of no. your... Uh, <laughs> Your adventures, I have read through the first two books of that so far, and it looks phenomenal. Goodness. So, Mike. Getting really familiar with those psycho pumps. You know what? <laughs> Mike, with quotes around it, don't listen too hard to us, Mr. Whisper Guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming for you in our 
off the air adventure pack. <laughs> yeah. So not an email, but I did want to read this because someone reached out and messaged us via Facebook. And I did want to uh, shout out to Joshua. Joshua out in Portland, Oregon. Arcadia. <laughs> that was why quick. Is, why do they get to be Arcadia out in Portland? I don't know. That's a weird place, right? Arcadia is pretty cool. You can be hanging out in Arcadia. They've like got an owl a, guy. Like yeah, they've owl. got owl. And they've got uh, the Jaguar Warriors. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know any cities there, little, but you yeah. know. So they've got some wonderful cats out there, which ties in a little bit to this. He writes saying, greetings, doorkeepers. I just wanted to say that listening to the podcast you all produce has been a real blessing. Your production is fantastic. You keep a good pace and you all sound great. And you leave in just enough table talk to create a friendly and welcoming environment, which is why I wanted to reach out to you all and say thank you. My cat, Rasmir, passed away in December. And listening to you all has been a real pleasure. I know it sounds silly, but the welcoming cat positive environment you all have created is actually really encouraging. This, however, leads to a question. How much does Rick involve you in his plans for your characters? Do you come to the table and just one and just one day, hey, your mom is dead? Or surprise, your dad isn't your biological father? Or do the two of you conspire to shape your character's journey? As a side note, I bumped into Jordan and Rick at PaizoCon last year before I started listening and was wondering if you plan on attending this year. Thanks again. So Heather and I will be attending PaizoCon. Yes. Wow, he uh, remembers. Yes, and uh, wow. I just wanted to have that uh, that in there. I've been sitting on this one for a little bit because I wanted it to be after, I now that I've gotten a little bit of everyone's backstories out. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I pretty much just surprised everyone. With yeah, I knew that my dad wasn't my real dad because I wrote That's that. That's true. I did not know my mom was gonna die. I knew something was going to happen to somebody because Rick was like, something's going to happen to somebody probably. <laughs> and I was like, cool. But I didn't think it was going to be the mom that I decided I would never talk to again. But, well, you know. Like, kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'll start with a framework and then I'll go to Rick and be like, hey, I need people for some of these places. Like, hey, I need a mentor figure. And where would I have gone to study about ancient Osirian after I left the desert and... So if I don't know, like, the immediate answer to a question, I will go to Rick and be like, hey. And I always know that something is going to happen concerning my backstory that I don't have any idea about. Mm -hmm. Rick is really good about working that kind of stuff in, so there's still surprises for us. And most of the time, I think it depends on how much you give him and how much leeway takes. But I want to say probably 75% of our backstories we have a pretty good idea about, and then 25% of it's meh. I think my thought is at character creation, I think it's about 90% player, 10% game master. Mm-hmm. And then I think by the end of the adventure, it's probably about 60% player, 40% game master, depending on how much I've gone in there and mucked around with backstories. I think when it comes to me, since I pick your brain a lot whenever I'm creating my characters, like, my hey, brain. babe, I want to do this thing. <laughs> and I want my character to be able to do this thing. And, you know, and I just give him a bunch of stuff and I'm like, okay. How do I make this happen? And then he'll like suggest things. And there's a little part of me that thinks like he knows what's going to happen in the story. And that's why he suggests certain things. Well, so. always, always take your game master's suggestion into consideration because they, they probably have read the story and then have some really good. Uh, sometimes the game master is trying to hint something to you. Yes. Yeah. You may like, want to. Eh, eh. <laughs> Maybe you should use a scimitar. Yep. <laughs> yep. They're not um, always happy hints, but yeah. sometimes like, yeah. I have this amazing tragic thing for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those players that I don't, like this is the first time that I've actually like planned ahead for a character. 
uh, because I, you know, I have the prestige class for living monolith. So I wrote my backstory because I always write them from the perspective of the character and been like, okay, here's what I do know about my character. But I left some huge blanks, so I didn't say like, oh, Sudi's parents were, you know, tied to the living monoliths or anything. I left that totally up to Rick. It literally could have been like, this random sphinx is just like, you're a cat person, you want to be this thing? Like, I mean, he could have done it however he wanted. So <laughs> I like that, honestly. Like, I like not knowing because that way I can be surprised. Yeah. Um, I've had other characters that I've been a lot more explicit in their backstory because, like, they know their entire backstory. And I feel like they kind of leave something. You're not giving the opportunity to, to the game master to go in and say, you know, kind of, like, fill that in with something surprising if you've kind of laid out, like, your entire backstory. So, like, it, it's about trust also. Like, if you don't, if you have one of those kind of game masters that you're maybe not trusting as much, you should open up, like, and, and let them. Because you might be really pleasantly surprised because yeah, I've gotten a lot more. Or not. Yeah, because. Yeah, it depends on the. It there's a the give and take, too. too. Like, you have to. Rick knows all of us pretty well because we've been friends for a long time. And he knows that. I'm sure he's had ideas that he's gone, oh, no, I probably shouldn't do that because it would be more of an upset than something we would think is interesting. Oh, sure, yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to do something you think is really cool, but you know the player's not really going to like. You don't want to ruin their character for them. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. And I think we can safely say that this will continue to be a cat positive environment. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just yeah. maybe. Just 100%. a little bit. I only have like 90% of my pictures on my phone or of my cat. I thought you were going to say I only have like 90 cats. And I was going to be like. <laughs> uh, Who are we casting? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so that Who are brings we us casting? to the casting of the gods. So, yeah. We are going to do our god casting, Jordan. If you will bounce the d20 of power. It's going to be low. Oh, it's not. 13. Oh, that's surprising from Jordan. I know. It's always when I'm trying to roll low that it's like, no, because I'm like, can I get Torag? No, of course I can't get Torag. Well, I don't know. I Actually, no, I think we did them. The black cat rolls a lucky 13. Yeah, hey. I did do that. All right. For today, we're going to do our lord in iron, hmm. Gorum. Oh, finally! I'm so ready! Gorum is the god of battle, strength, and weapons. Said to have been born from the first battles between humans and orcs, Gorum appears as a suit of spiked plate armor with blazing red eyes. Though claimed by half-orcs, humans, and orcs as one of their own, the god cares nothing for the diversions except insofar as they relate to battle and strife. He believes in strength and power, the verdict of the sword, and the music of clashing iron. He does not favor good or evil, and only the right he confers upon mortals is the right to fight for their next breath. As long as people struggle against themselves and each other, Gorm's teachings live on. I already know exactly who I'm choosing. I know exactly who I'm doing. I've been ready. I have a backup in case someone steals my first. Jordan, you're the podcast host. That means you go first. Oh, does that mean I go first? Yeah. All right, so... This is a twofer person because he's done two really great characters that I love. Uh, so he played Teal'c on Stargate SG-1 and in the recent God of War game on PS4, uh, he did all the mocap for it as well as the voice acting. I nominate Christopher Judge. No idea who that is. I don't know who that is. Let me look it up. Oh, dude, he's fan. He's a fantastic. Why do you always pick people I pick. I do pick somewhat obscure people, but he's great. Like you play. You play. Were uh, watching me play God of War. I know what the God of War looks like, but I don't know what the guy looks like. Doesn't matter what he looks like because he's gonna be in a suit of iron. I guess so. It's true. Yeah, that's not a bad choice. I like it. Uh What you got, Rach? Okay, so I have some weird choices for this. I wonder if they're the same as mine. Go. I doubt it. 
Okay, so when I think Gorb, I actually think Andre the Giant. Oh, okay. 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 A little soft-spoken, but yeah. But since he is no longer with us, I like the guy who plays Hodor. <laughs> but then I was okay. like, I was like, no, it doesn't quite fit. And then I thought Jason Momoa. That's who I was going to say. <laughs> Quit getting in my brain. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Good one. yeah. No, I'm waiting but on him. I don't know why, but the first thing that popped in my head, though, was Andre the Giant, because he's this big, imposing figure. And huh. see, my brain immediately went to call Drogo and... Yeah, yeah, but like, cause you know, Andre the Giant, he was this, this wrestler, and he was like really good. He's also my favorite character, Princess Bride. So, if, um, so you're saying if we could get Andre if, the Giant, if if I could get Andre the Giant back, I'd probably pick Andre the Giant. Yeah. Uh, but since we don't have him, I'd probably go for Jason Momoa. We've casted Jason other Momoa. people that have passed away, haven't we? Uh, I went I for Anton so. Yeltsin for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's a couple of thing. other like I figure he needs to be imposing, and that. Like Andrew yeah. the Giant, like I think he's kind of could be a really scary looking dude, but he's also like I don't know, kind of caring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So, are you going Andre the Giant? Or are you going Jason Momoa? Pick one. I'm gonna go with Andre the Giant, so Andre she can have Giant. Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa. Yeah. Jason Momoa is a good. I think one. Heather. I think Rachel already made Heather's point for. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like I. You started talking about Gorum, and the first thing that popped into my head was Khal Drogo. Like seriously. So yeah. Jason Momoa. Okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna read a quote here, and I have to do this in the voice to try to convince all, all of you of this. Oh Jesus! No oh, boy, because my pick is Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no. The clash of swords unshields no. my song. I am the iron your armor, your blade. No. Strike at your foes, and I will guide your hand. For I thirst only for battle. No. Nope. <laughs> okay, Conan. Nah. No. It is amazing, nope. and you know it. <laughs> I'd say young Girl. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm pulling a Rachel and I have two. Uh, Arnie. No. Dave Bautista. Ooh. Ooh, Bautista. But I think I actually prefer Vin Diesel. Oh, see, I was going to choose him, but you gave me such crap the last time I picked Vin Diesel for something but that Vin I didn't Vin Diesel do has like, think about like Dom. Yes. Yeah. Like that voice is like. I'm in your face. I'm a big scary dude voice. Except yeah. he talks about speed and driving cars fast, but like same thing. See, I was thinking Riddick, but okay, Riddick. Uh, Riddick. Yeah, Riddick. yeah, Riddick. But I think about sense. the way that Dom, like he's puffed up. <laughs> he's like the first macho. like Fast and the Furious. I don't know about like Fast and the Furious seven hundred and two or anything, <laughs> but like, and the first one he's super imposing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really depends on like how you view Gorum in his attitude. Like, is he like extremely calm in his combat, or Doesn't is he like a berserker? Because like that would probably change seems to just like fight. He is a chaotic neutral god yeah, of it, chaos, destruction, fight. glory, strength, and war. I'm just imagining him <laughs> See, as a barbarian. No, like, I feel like I need to pick someone else because Andre the Giant's too nice. <laughs> Well, do you I, want Dave Bautista? <laughs> you know, Are we're we trading, trading actors now. I'll give you Dave Bautista for your Benedict Cumberbatch. If, like, they're freaking Pokemon. I was going to say, <laughs> first off, baseball cards. Secondly, does this actually happen in Hollywood studios? I don't know, but I'm Probably. curious now. Um, yeah, because in my head, I've got Jason Momoa picked out for something else. Okay, so oh, I think... Oh, I know who. I know who. He's also from Game of Thrones. He plays... Uh, the Mountain? Yes. Half for Bjornsson? Yeah, yeah. Like the uh, smallest of his brothers. Yeah, uh, yeah. You see a picture off. of him next to his brothers and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, he but, is not the mountain of okay. his family. I choose him. I, I choose. I'm I so choose sorry. You. I choose you. I choose you. He's. He is oh in Oh my fact. God, he's younger than me. He's what? 
Yeah, Seriously? he was born in 88. Hey, he's my age. Oh, hey, he's my age. He <laughs> is, in weird. fact, the mountain that rides. Yeah, but he was the latest actor, not the first two actors yes. that played the mountain. He's you the latest You act like I know one. anything about Game of Thrones. But I'm talking to the other people, not just you. <laughs> uh, I've also heard he's an extremely nice guy. Yeah, I know, but he has side. that very imposing, like I could picture him playing this like god of war. Yeah. All right, cool. That's who I pick. So, Andre, sorry, I love you, but you're too nice. He would make a great, uh, I can't remember what his name is, but there's a god of like athletes and competitions oh, yeah. that he would make a great choice for. Just love Andre the Giant. So uh, I think getting into uh, the one person I would be willing to to put Arnie on the backseat oh for because I love That's Arnie. That's the weirdest choice I love ever. Arnie I Schwarzenegger. I don't think it's that weird. Like I, young yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, young like Arnold, from yeah. some Predator well, days. Or even, yeah. even now, because again, it would all be it'd be coming out of a suit of armor. You wouldn't see old man Arnie. It would just be the voice. Uh, I just, no I one said Sylvester Stallone. That's how he talks. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> it's actually not good. bad. Yeah, no, you got to talk a with a woody. little bit of a... <laughs> I'm not that notwithstanding, yes. uh, I, would, I would give it up for Jason Momoa also. Like but God, the mountain is great. Yeah. I have Jason uh, Momoa pegged for uh, somebody else. Go, go, not go I love the us. mountain. Anyway. I followed that guy on... Uh, uh, I don't actually have Instagram, but like. So yeah, let us know your thoughts out there. Yeah, I feel like we didn't get to a conclusion this no. time, so uh, it's up to you, audience. I, I'm also definitely not going to make the argument that Vin Diesel does not belong in our pantheon because if anybody does, he's like always 100%. like the biggest D and D nerd. Also, we I think at the beginning of this podcast we talked about Vin Diesel a lot. Because well, <laughs> that's who I cast for Onuris. Oh right, Remember? that was weird. Yeah. That was weird. Because I pictured him this big bald dude, and I pictured him as Rami Malek, and we were both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was closer. If you look at her fan art, like closer, it could be but Diesel. not. I don't know. Vin Diesel, I think, should belong on the Pantheon somewhere. He could go other places, but I think he'd be pretty good for this. So, <laughs> before we sign off, though, we would, however, like to uh, give some shout-outs to a couple of people who have gone on and left us some reviews. We always appreciate iTunes reviews. They do a great job of getting us extra coverage and making sure our name gets out there. So, yeah. uh, I'm going to start out by shouting out to. R.B. Kelly, 2118. Woo-woo. I, I, I don't think it's R. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to make a Chappelle show reference, but I don't know if uh, you guys have seen that. Nah. So. I'm going to shout out person guy. I like that one. Oh, it's <laughs> pretty I, good. I like that it's spelled person guy. But it's like fun guy. Yeah. Fun guy, except person guy. Yeah. I also nice. really appreciate that uh, that wasn't me adding that on. They actually include their own parentheses to explain. Because you know how many people say person G? Like, yeah. Yeah. Persongi. Persongi. Yeah. Person guy. I like person that. guy. Yeah, person guy. Nice. Uh, special shout out to Larlar831. I want to know who the other 830 Larlars were that you got to 831. <laughs> Must be common. Is Larlar like something? No, that's know. a good luck number. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It's not my uh, good luck number. I, I have, have a wonderful shout out to uh, Pierced Peak Achoo, because it's peak like. <laughs> <laughs> peak achoo. Nice. <laughs> we choose you, Pierce Pikachu. <laughs> nice. Great. And then a shout out to Mr. E. Daniels. I'm not oh. positive if it's Mr. E. Daniels or if it's Mystery, Mystery Daniels. I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't know if they had M, lowercase r, capital E, capital D, and then Dan Daniels. I Daniels. choose to believe that it's Mystery like punny. Got a Mystery got Daniels. an enigma oh thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I was gonna say Batman Forever. <laughs> nice. Oh god, Batman Forever went all the way back to Jim Carrey. I so, really and uh, I'm gonna give a shout too. out to Person Guy, not for necessarily having our. They did state uh, 
their title was an amazing podcast and we always appreciate anyone saying that but I do like their PS of keep the cheesy movie slash TV show references alive ha. got you boy oh, yeah. so we ever <laughs> that's all for you Rachel yeah that is for me hey hey yay Huttenstein. Come on, that was me. I know. Uh, but and who, Gargoyles. Really? Really? Who? Yeah, that was totally me. Yeah, that was totally. I, no, just saying. We always Waterworld, really. I mean, we're going to have to <laughs> oh like a God. let's play Waterworld together yeah. and like oh no, keep and the our, weekly Waterworld references alive. Oh, yeah, I have to watch it. Sorry. I love yeah. Waterworld. We that, just do a home Okay, that like movie is bad. It is so oh, good. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. It's kind of good. That's no. kind of the bad that it is. It's I just bad. I would go to an Alamo Drafthouse special screening where you got to shoot water guns and stuff I w- oh my god i'd be there in a heartbeat if we gotta call alamo uh, alamo please i need water world to come back and so more generations can see how wonderful it is uh, can see how bad it is i love it so much just to clarify for our non-texans out there it's not literally at the alamo <laughs> no the alamo draft house is it's, outside of texas it's an Al- oh they're excellent oh, yeah there we go. yeah weird it's yeah it's kind yeah. of a studio movie girl sort of thing yeah but better but better yeah it's a Dining theater, I think. <laughs> yeah, we don't time. drive down to the Alamo <laughs> to watch crappy We don't drive movies. down to the Alamo to project Waterworld on the side of a building and shoot water guns at it. Whatever. Awesome. Okay, other That's fellow lovers respect. of Waterworld, I need you to shout out. <laughs> love this movie. Trying to get Remember a band the Alamo. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Draw on the gill so you're really cosplay. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but oh I just I loved the little girl in it. I have seen that movie more than one time, and probably I probably because she's thing. friends with you. I, no, I no, I saw this movie before I knew Rachel. Reference, but you know. no, Enola before I knew the Rachel Muffin, I did see this girl. movie. Why does everything go back to nuclear weapons with Jordan? Ella Foss. Oh my. <laughs> Like a Come on. Oh my Water god! Is that the worst movie ever made? It's up there. It's, it's so close. Good. I don't know if it's the worst movie. No, ever made. that Robin Hood movie with uh, Amanda Seyfried. Oh, that was and... not Robin Hood. That was Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Little Red Riding Hood movie. We that went we were to, like, we went to for free and thought we should get our money back. <laughs> I want my time back. Yep, pretty much. It Followed was that closely bad. by Season of the Witch with Nicholas Cage. <laughs> because the devil is Jamaican. <laughs> These are all bad. See, Waterworld was better than those. It was. It was better than those. <laughs> I'm still trying to think of the worst movie I've ever seen. I know. That's what I'm over here trying I, I, to do. I'm literally like, I mean, I walked out of The Nutty Professor, so maybe that's the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't think okay. I've ever walked out of another movie. What is, what is the best bad movie you've ever seen? Oh, best bad movie Waterworld. I've ever seen? Uh, no, no, no. It's you know the Spawn answer. movie. Oh, uh, no. yeah. Spawn okay. was pretty bad. That so, needs to be redone. It was also kind of good. I was going to say, I love Spawn. Like, oh, Spawn. like The comics and stuff were fantastic, but that movie was a, a travesty. Oh. But I, it's like my one of my like guilty 90s pleasure movies yeah. that I had on VHS and was like, I'm going to watch. I'm trying to. That and the Phantom with Billy Zane. Yes! Billy Zane? <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved that oh, movie man, too. I know. I met you. Yeah, but no, for me, it's really definitely Spawn. Like, it's I'm the trying best to think of seen. a really bad movie that I still really love. See, my thing is, is that that's why you can't use me as a litmus test for whether or not a movie is good. It's true. Because it's true. I like bad movies. So when I say a movie is bad, <laughs> it's probably bad. It's probably bad. <laughs> I'm very easily entertained. All right. Uh, Hi, yeah, Jack. so. We've been on the air for a year. Woohoo! Yeah, we Woo-hoo. have been on the air for a year. Um, yeah, and in celebration of that, we've decided to do a little contest yeah. for everyone out there. That's really a giveaway. It's more of a more giveaway. giveaway. Uh, we're not going to ask oh, you to answer any. Comp- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to it. Well, Hold on to it. 
Our contest is write in what movie Heather is thinking. Right? No, it's write in your favorite worst movie. No, we want to know what you thought. Fun times. Yes, I know. Our challenge is for you to write into us with your favorite moment. To enter into this giveaway, all you have to do. Yeah, like a raffle. All you have to do is go on Twitter. And tag us with both the uh, at Find the Path Chan as well as our hashtag Find the Path Pod. Or I will also enter in anyone that emails us after giving us an iTunes review. Ah. For anyone that wishes to do that, that way we can bribe you. <laughs> <laughs> but either tweet at us or leave a review and then email us with your favorite Find the Path moment so far. Yep. And if you're tweeting at us, you must include f- hashtag find the path pod and you have to at us at find the path Chan yep. in order to be entered to the giveaway where five people will win find the path swag. From April 27th through May 17th, you can enter to win. We will then announce on the 18th of May who our five winners are. Uh, randomly chosen since it's not a contest it's a giveaway mm-hmm. and just a reminder everyone citrus the funniest so uh tweet those memories on yours has the best size <laughs> jordan laughs the loudest pick the times that jordan laughed the loudest Shakira has great one-liners <laughs> yeah yeah you do mm-hmm. so we or will randomly choose we'll raffle it out we will make announcements both on our after party that will come out then which will be after party 19 and we'll also give announcements out on twitter as well five Lucky winners. Hopefully not too lucky or else you lose an eye. (laughs) My turn. My turn to make the Sudi joke. I don't think ending on a depressing note is we're about to go into a two mummy fight. Oh yeah, we gotta go fight some mummies. Bye. (laughs) And with that (laughs) goodness. Good luck, Pathfinders. Bye, Path folk. Gracious. Dear Path. They're gross. I don't know how you drink them. I also, I am team Rachel, <laughs> team anti-monster, but not cute monsters. <laughs> Anti-drink monsters. Drink monsters. <laughs> Monster drinks, not drink yeah. monsters, because some drink monsters might be cute. What are drink monsters? I don't know. <laughs> They're going to be a thing now. Oh my gosh. There we go. Anyway, Jordan, you're hosting. I know. I'm waiting for just a I'm ready. <laughs> Jess is never ready. <laughs> You're sitting there like turning red, going, like trying to hold All it All I can in. picture are tiny monsters that live in like martini glasses. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, future Rick. They would do little tiny burlesque routines. Oh, that's what? so adorable. They look like, they look like little Dita Von yeah. <laughs> With like horns and stuff. <laughs> that's great.